Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Ian Lawler. Ian is the owner and head coach at Somerset Martial Arts. Really appreciate Ian joining me today. If you are a fan of the Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor specializing in treating anxiety depression trauma and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach Heidi is actually my mother and I can attest she is a saint call her at 502-457-1823 virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States Veercast Digital Media Veercast Digital Media at Veercast.com Matt McCarthy runs Veercast and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by returning guest, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, uh, very accomplished professional MMA fighter, and gym owner, Ian Lawler. Ian, how are you today? And what did you think of my introduction? Oh, that was awesome, man. I think uh, I think you're being very, very kind there. <laughs> I appreciate the, the compliments. I'm humbled. Well, I mean, in many different ways, you have been a successful... Um, your, your life has really turned into a, 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 the life of a successful martial artist. And what I mean by that is you've competed in the cage... Um, you're, you're real big into coaching, but you own your own school too. And you've turned that into a situation much like, you know, I, I've gotten to know many gym owners who love martial arts, but then they're able to pass it on to, you know, a lot of times it's a father and a a wife and their kids. And so you're positively (laughs) impacting many people's lives, um, through, you know, spreading combat sports in a positive way. I mean, isn't that like really the goal though with, with martial arts? Um, I tell people often, I can't stand working with competitors. Uh, what I mean by that is, is your typical competitor. And I, you can look at many, many high level athletes, for example, that we're all familiar with like Quentin Rampage Jackson and, and other guys like that. They, they were amazing competitors and they did whatever was best for them while they were competing. And as soon as they were done, that's it. 
they put on a bunch of weight, they neglect themselves, they don't train anymore, and they don't continue to pass on the, the love and joy, and, and not just the love and joy, but, you know, I feel like martial arts, in a sense, has uh, has an even bigger significance, than, like, similar to the military. You know, I've, I've heard people, you know, I don't know if you've watched the series uh, Terminal List. I have not. But, uh, nope. Uh, there's one part in it, and I, I won't give away the whole series for you because it's really awesome, but there's one part in it where uh, uh, he catches the main character catches up with one of the guys that facilitated in the death of his family, and uh, the guy's sitting there whining to him about, like, you know, I did 20 years, and all I get is this pissant retirement and all this other stuff, and, uh, yeah, he looked down at him, and he was like, you know what? He's like, that's not what you get. What you get is to be a part of the brotherhood. And then he drowned him. <laughs> but uh, I kind of, I kind of have like, uh, kind of have like the same mentality. I'm like, your your job as a martial artist, because we all get old. Father time doesn't give a crap about any of us. Um, so how do you then continue to to have an impact past your, if you're lucky, five to seven year competitive career? Well, do you get to enrich other people's lives? Now, Ian, you, in my experience, you're a very transparent person. Um, tell us about your school, about how many students do you have? What do you focus on? Who's your target, um, audience? You know, if you were to bring in new students, who are you looking for? What does, what, of the numbers of your school, you know, what is it made up of and, and what type of academy do you own? Uh, we are predominantly a jujitsu academy. Um, we we have six jujitsu classes a week, um, and the vast majority. It's funny, uh, like our five thirty block. Um, the the average age of my five thirty block. Because I love when people are like, "Oh, I'm too old to start that stuff." And I'm like, literally, the average age of my biggest pro, biggest class block, which is our five thirty block, is forty four. So uh, I'm like, you don't have an excuse. And if you, uh, I actually just posted a short video reel last night of just one of our random 5.30 Wednesday classes. And I think there was like 39 or 30, 38, 39 people in that class. And the average age is 44. So people who are like, oh, I'm too old. I'm like, no, you're, you're not too old. You're just uninspired or you haven't met the the type of coaching staff that you need to, to integrate you into that lifestyle. Now, of course, if you're, you know, 40 years old and you've never done combat sports before and you show up to protein practice and you get your butt handed to you, like, yeah, that's going to happen. But good coaches, good studios, good schools, good gyms, they understand where and how to integrate people in so that they can train, hopefully, for the entirety of their life. Uh, we do teach boxing and jiu-jitsu, or we do teach boxing, wrestling, and we do have a really, really good competitive jiu-jitsu team and, uh, and MMA team, but we have completely separate class blocks for, for them. I work with them on, on the side. Yes, they still come to our regular classes, but as far as like, hey, we're going to be doing five, five-minute rounds of sparring, or we're going to do 32-minute goes of straight wrestling, like that doesn't happen in our normal classes for, you know, injury and safety's sake. Nobody who works, uh, uh, you know, works a regular shift job and is just wanting to get in better shape and learn a craft is interested in like going to work tomorrow morning, feeling like they've been hit by a truck. Sure. And it is Somerset martial arts and also summer camp and after school program. That's the title of your martial arts Academy, correct? 
Uh, yes, sir. We, uh, we do, uh, we actually had our biggest summer camp ever last year. We had, uh, 42 kids in our summer camp. It was, it was awesome. And our, our after school program, we go, we ha- I have uh, commercial vehicles. We take them and drive to the schools, pick the kids up, bring them back to our school and, uh, keep them until the parents get off work and are able to pick them up. So they get all kinds of activities, not just martial arts. We do brain games, arts and crafts. Uh, just, we have a really good time with the kids, indoor, outdoor sports. It's, it's a lot of fun. Do you mind telling me about how many total students do you have uh we're edging up close to 200 wow and is it the impression you give i've never been to your academy but speaking with you and getting to know you over the years the impression i get from you is you're family oriented and so i expect that that transfers over into the substance of what is at the academy are there a lot of families there uh, just about almost all of our members are families. I would say probably 60% of our members are parents and their kids are in our programs. Um, and then the upside for like our teen adult program, um, but, and we allow our, our, even our younger kids that are like really competitive, you know, our eight, nine, 10 year olds that have been training for a long time competing, they, they're in our teen adult class as well. So you've got multiple sets of moms and dads training along right alongside their sons and daughters. Um, I think that that's amazing because, uh, you know, when I was a kid I, and even now I have no relationship with my biological father. And uh, that was something that, that I felt like I missed heavily. So getting to watch, you know, moms and dads train together and not just enriched our marriage but enrich the the value system that they have with their kids that health wellness self-defense you know core the core values that are that are completely being lost on our society like where moms and dads lead from the front and it it honestly it's it's worth any amount of money I could I could ever make I could never make another paycheck again and that alone would be enough to keep me moving forward it's Wild to me that I even have to ask this question because all you're preaching (laughs) is like family values and being accountable and shit like that. But I'll ask it. We're having somewhat of a political conversation. And the further we go into today's episode, we will get even more so political and maybe even polarizing. Do you ever encounter a situation at your gym where... You are speaking about things and you get a little, maybe you feel you get, you, you get a little too political. Someone is alienated as that, as that type of a, a situation came up for you. Once again, I'm just asking because it's wild to me that accountability, uh, uh, a strong family structure, things like that should be polarizing. It's fucking insane to me that that is polarizing. Um, but have you ever encountered that? Uh, yes. Um, I had, uh, uh really punk ass attorney. Um, he was a public defender here and I did not welcome him back to my school, but, um, and I like, if he ever listens to this, you're still not welcome in my school. You're an asshole. Uh, but, uh, he was pissed that I gave free training for two years to law enforcement officers. And, uh, when he found that out, he was like very argumentative with me about it. And I was like, well, man, I was like, you know, and I explained my thought process to him. I was like, let me explain this to you from, from two standpoints. I was like, which he'd only been trained. The, this gentleman had only been trained. I think he was like one or two stripe white belt before he came to my academy and uh, moved here from like Washington, D.C. or something like that. And uh, he was like, he was very adamant about or negative about me um, g- giving cops free training. And I was like, well, let's look at this from two perspectives. One, the biggest cry out that we have right now is that cops need better training. I'm facilitating that. 
So have you, and I was like, you know, maybe you, with you not being around jujitsu very long, I can tell you for a fact, I have never seen two experienced jujitsu players, like whether it was competing live or rolling in practice or people that had, you know, physical wherewithal or a good proprioception of themselves. They never hurt anybody on accident. Like if they rip a submission, they're trying to take it home. Um, and it, it's, it's on purpose. So I was like, what you're, what you're, what we're doing is hopefully mitigating a law enforcement officer's need through physical confidence to reach for their tools. Anytime a weapon's introduced to a situation, it's very unlikely that it's going to turn out positive. I was like, and I told him, I was like, two, now, at least with our officers, if they are well-trained, well-versed, you know, hopefully that once they, once they earn their blue belt, I do require them to start paying a membership. I was like, but with that said, uh, I was like, now we've taken out one of the biggest officer complaints that a lot of people have is, well, it was an accident. I'm like, no, you are an experienced blue belt. You knew damn good and well that rape choking somebody for 45 seconds was going to hurt them. Like that's, that's not an excuse anymore. I was like, so not only are we giving cops better training, but we're also taking away uh, any ability for them to push away accountability. So if they do something intentionally to hurt somebody, they can't say, oops, it was an accident anymore. Wow. Okay. So do you still have that where, where police officers can train there all the way up to blue belt? Is that still the case? Yes, sir. We are an adopted cop affiliate. Huh? Okay. And you mentioned earlier that you, a couple different directions. Sorry, we'll get into the meat and potatoes of the episode shortly. Um, but you mentioned that you, you, you don't know and you never really had much to do with your biological father. From pe- speaking with you previously, I think you had said you were, was it part or half Puerto Rican? What's your background? Uh, yes, I'm half Puerto Rican. Your father is Puerto Rican? Yes, sir. First generation American. And well, I Puerto Rico is technically a territory of the United States, but I'm yeah. Um, okay. And, and for whatever reason, he did not play a role in your life. No, no. I, when I was young, um, we saw each other periodically. Um, he'd get me some weekends, um, a few summers, stuff like that. Uh, and then uh, as, as I got older, um, I was actually able to spend a little bit more time around him while I was on the active duty in the military because he used to live in uh, San Diego. I'm not exactly sure where he lives at, at the moment, uh, but uh, I was stationed in uh, Camp Pendleton and then uh, 29 Palms, which is also in Southern California. So I saw him a few times, but ultimately um, we are just two very, very different people and our personalities just do not line up at all. Okay. Um, okay. So the, the purpose of today's episode is we were going to, well, actually I'll say I was raised Republican. I never went through a crazy socialist phase or anything like that. Some people did. And, and I actually am intrigued by them. Um, and I cert- tried my best not to judge them or say anything negative. I, I was raised, my father's a Republican. I've kind of been Republican my whole life. Uh, over the past few years through Corona, I became more libertarian and I've kind of, um, it, found fault even in many of the Republicans for contributing to the crazy lockdowns that really screwed up much of our economy. Um, One of the issues that I've always been kind of maybe toward the middle on is abortion. And what I mean by that is, to be honest, until recently, I hadn't put a ton of thought into the subject. I've always liked the idea of we should all have bodily autonomy 
over ourselves. That makes sense. Like, I don't think you should have to get a vaccine, Ian, if you don't want to, nor should I, all that stuff. Um, So without putting too much thought into it, I always leaned a little bit toward the pro-choice side. Like, if you'd asked me a few years ago, I would have probably said, even very recently, I would have said, if someone wants to have an abortion and it's very early in the pregnancy, you know, I can hear a case for that. The more that I've been learning about it recently, and of course, the deeper I get into being a a father, um, I've started to shift a little bit on that. I, I do think there are probably some extreme cases, you know, you find out some crazy situation where some guy's you know, having sex with his daughter and then his daughter gets pregnant and things like that. So there's much, of course, or just randomly someone gets raped in a parking garage and then they're pregnant and, you know, some extreme cases like that. But I admittedly, prior to very recently, I'd always been toward the middle, maybe even lean toward pro-choice. I have evolved a little bit on that, but we are voting this upcoming uh, Tuesday, November 8th, and and there's a substantial uh, bill on the voting ticket. And Ian, you're here today to educate me about that. Well, I I think a lot of it, um, no matter what mentality you have, I think it, the, the basis, the absolute, like if you, if you clear away all the, what's the word I'm looking for? Smoke screens that have uh, been created by um, this, this complete fallacy that is the left and right. Uh, I mean, in my opinion, it's two wings of the same bird, but um at the at the bare bones of culture the only question we really need to ask ourselves is what kind of world do i want to live in do i want to live in a world where people are accountable for their actions for their choices for their decisions or do i want to live in a world where they are not i mean it really truly is that simple nobody does, has any false illusions about what happens when they have sex, especially if they have unprotected sex. There is, I mean, this, that's the whole purpose is procreation. Yeah, it feels good. Don't get me wrong. I, I love, you know, husband and wife time with my wife, like anybody else. But the, the reality is, is when you take, but when you participate in those events, you can get pregnant and trying to pretend like that isn't something you should be accountable for your sex, sexual partners I mean, that's insane because there's numerous bloodborne pathogens that can be passed that are no longer, you know, it's no longer your choice. You can't abort AIDS. You can't abort uh, herpes. Like that's, that's, a, that's a, an accountability that is no longer a part of your control. Now, there's a lot of different mindsets we can look at when we come into this. Um, so like the Christian mentality, you know, is it right? Is it wrong? You know? I tell you what, I'm a Christian man, and I do not think that a, the way a lot of Christians handle this subject is appropriate. First off, there is nowhere in the Bible, anywhere, doesn't exist, where you are the judge of somebody else. There's, that, I mean, there are plenty of verses that say the exact opposite. Matthew 7, 2, by the same standard in which you judge, so shall you also be judged. We have no business casting judgment on other people. So is it, am I going to say that somebody using abortion as a form of birth control is right? No, it's not. But I would totally be willing to sit down with those people and help 
educate them or talk to them or maybe even just be a person that listens to them, unlike a lot of the Christian community that likes to cast stones. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes people just need to be heard. Sometimes people just need to have their feelings understood. Now, with that said, they got to make their own choice. So I, I look more from like a pragmatic standpoint in, in our culture. Like we all pay taxes, right? So I looked up uh, the early, soonest audit. I could, sorry, I'm looking at some notes. The soonest audit I could find of, or the most recent audit I could find of Planned Parenthood was in 2018. And 5% of the abortions they performed were as a result of medical necessity. So if you're asking me, would I still be pro-choice? I would say yes, just off of that 5%, because I want to structure two conversations for you that may, may change somebody's thought process a little bit. You are at the doctor's office with your wife, or if it's, if you're a lady, listen to this, you're at the doctor's office with your husband and you're pregnant. Doctor walks in and says, Hey guys, now this is under the guise of abortion is no longer legal. I hate to tell you this, but your embryo is implanted outside of the uterine wall and sometime within the next six to nine months you are going to have an extremely dangerous point in your pregnancy and it's probably going to cost you your life your child's life or both and there's nothing i can do about it imagine that feeling inside going holy shit i just got to sit here for the next six to nine months and potentially wait for my wife to die that's a really scary thought when we could have more children, not trying to say that to be cold. We could have more children. Now, if a bill was written that made room for those kinds of things, I would be pro-choice for that bill because I would like to be able to save my wife. My wife is my forever partner. Children are in our home for a finite period of time. If you, again, if you're a Christian, if you look biblically, you're supposed to treat your wife in the same capacity, if not better than you would treat yourself. So then the reality is, is if your wife is your first ministry and if your wife is your forever partner, it's your job to protect her. So if you can't due to a law that inhibits that, you're going to feel pretty freaking lost, I would imagine. What do you think, Kelly? Certainly makes sense to me. Um, I I know you're going to address. I I guess I don't know the bill we're voting for on Tuesday. I don't know if it includes provisions for something like that i would certainly say in that instance in that Mm -hmm. specific instance i would be all for saying this sounds like a medically necessary abortion as as inhumane as it may sound in this instance it does sound like it's instead of putting two people's lives at risk because you said potentially could kill both the mother Mm. and the child i think in that case it's pretty clear cut what the correct answer is Yes, I would totally agree with you. Now, also from Planned Parenthood, the something like two-thirds of the abortions that they performed use state and federal tax dollars. Now, there, um, I, like I was talking about as far as having a pragmatic standpoint as a taxpayer, I have an issue with that. Um, the earth globally is becoming slowly overpopulated. I mean, that's, that's common knowledge. It, it's a fact. I mean, we've doubled population size over the last looked that up the other day. It was like 97 years or something like that. So in less than 100 years, we've doubled the population of the earth. If that trend continues, uh, I mean, we, in theory, will be over the, the earth will be overrun with humans 
in the next time within less than a hundred years. Um, so I'm going to sit here and say, I have no issue with, I don't have to make this choice for somebody else as, you know, as, as a spiritual guy, the only person that I have to be accountable for when I go across the great divide is myself, what life I lived, what choices I made, what lives I impacted, um, and everything in between the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's not a choice that I will ever have to make as a man. And with that being said, it is a choice some women are making and purely making out of, I'm just don't want to be a mom or I'm just not ready to be a mom. And while you are 100% able to make that choice. And I don't think I have any room to judge you for that spiritually as a taxpayer. I personally think that if that's the road you're going to go, they should no longer, uh, very similarly to like China, if you're, it, 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 I shouldn't say China because I'm not communist, but, and I don't think we should put a limit on people's children that are taking good care of their children and being good, good parents and good supporters and good providers. But the reality is, is if you are, you know, in your early twenties and you think it's okay to flush a baby down a drain just because it's convenient for you, then why should you be blessed with the gift of having a child later? Hmm. Okay. So there's that stance on it. Is that your stance? I do have that stance and I'll tell you why, because no decision we make good, bad, ugly, right, wrong, indifferent. Every decision we have in life has consequences. I choose not to brush my teeth tonight. I might get a cavity. If I choose to have unprotected sex, I might catch HIV or make somebody pregnant. I have no choice as to whether or not that child's born but I'm still going to have to be responsible for it. And I think that people don't want to be accountable for their actions. And I'm like, okie dokie, that's fine. You don't want to be accountable as, as a parent, even though you knew beyond reasonable doubt that there was a chance that this could happen when you participated in sexual intercourse, like, right. Then why should you have children in the future? Like you already admitted that you as a parent shouldn't happen. You are going, your child, you and your family, whatever the case may be, are going to be a drain on the rest of us. Okay, well, now we don't have to worry about that anymore. We have enough drains on our society as it is. Okay, so thus far, Ian, I want to make sure I'm understanding you correctly. Thus far, you are articulating a stance that says, thus far at least, if your tax dollars are not paying for it, mm-hmm. And someone wants to get an abortion, although you may disagree, you know, morally with doing that, that's their decision. So it sounds like yes. absent of taxpayer funding, you are pro-choice. Yes, that's not, it's not my business and it's not a choice that I have to make. I do not think that it's right, but I'm also not going to be the guy standing in front of the abortion clinic, letting everybody know that they're going to go to hell. Because I think that that's wrong. As Christians, we're supposed to be what? Fishers of men. Wasn't that what Christ asked us to do? How in the world is telling somebody that me, me, little me, I've never met God. I don't know God. I've never met Jesus. I, how do I have the right to condemn somebody else to hell? Like that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And the Christian community is terrible about pushing those people away and keeping them at arm's length when the reality is, is they could be helpful. Wow. Okay. So this is, this is, con- this is a little different than what I would as- than what I was expecting from you, Ian. How so? I'm curious. I was expect so come Tuesday on the ballot, you plan on vo- voting yes or no? 
I want to finish reading the bill. It's pretty long. I have not finished reading it all. Wow. Okay. I, I, I was expecting that you would be anti-abortion. I am anti-abortion. I just don't think it's my choice to make for someone else. Okay. Now, there's some different angles on this. Uh, the libertarian stance, at least the current administration of the Libertarian Party, Dave Smith, the guy I plan on voting for for president 2024, okay. he, he would say that this is at its core, if, there, if laws are going to exist in a society, they should be to protect the individual. Mm-hmm. Take everything else out of it, regulating marijuana or alcohol or any of the bullshit the government gets involved in. At its core, if laws are going to exist, mm-hmm. they should protect the safety in the individual, especially those individuals who are the most vulnerable, the old people, the disabled, in this case, you know, unborn fetus. A, a very young baby that that has not been born yet, so you could make a, a a case that you know this and I know you're very familiar with this, but you can make a definitive case that this is you know in effect murder. I believe it's murder. Um, my daughter was born shortly after I turned seventeen years old. Wow. I, okay. Yeah, I raised a child my entire senior year of high school. I moved out four of my mom's house about three and a half, four months after she was born and have been supporting my daughter ever since. Um, so why I joined the military, I worked third shift um, at a freaking factory down here uh, towards Albany when I was a senior in high school. And I, I, got, I made the decision to step up and do the right thing. The problem with people is, like we said earlier, they want to do what they want to do without regard to consequence. And unfortunately, that's not the way the world works. There has to be consequences for terrible decisions or what people are going to keep making terrible decisions. If you as an individual decide that having an abortion for the sake of having an abortion is what you're going to do, then there needs to be a consequence with that. Now, that consequence may not have to be parenting or motherhood, but I don't think you should get it in the future. Okay. I I can definitely see the rationality behind your stance on that. I'll continually go back to my libertarian people that I like. I've heard Ron Paul, who for many years was a doctor in Texas, he -hmm. actually witnessed many abortions. Yeah, And if someone um, wants to, they can, you know, do a YouTube search for Ron Paul on abortions. And he describes, of course, obviously, I mean, it's it's murder. Um, He describes some very unpleasant scenes, but his stance is one of being pro-life. However, in the event of rape or incest (laughs) or something like that, I think he said within 24 hours, if you give the, the, the female a shot of, I think it's estrogen. Give them a shot of estrogen. Mm -hmm. In effect, that's kind of like a one day in type of abortion. But you never really know if they were going to be pregnant anyway. So, yes, in a way, it was kind of uh, uh, killing the potential for a life. But in in those specific events, address it right then. I agree. Uh, A lot of of the, the, the left's argument for that one is 
a lot of women that have been sexually assaulted go unreported for days, weeks, um, that don't even realize that they're pregnant until they're towards the end of their first trimester, you know, six to 10 weeks deep. And at that point it's, it's a formed baby. It's not, I mean, it's a size of a jelly bean, but it's still an, an actual living being as I, I don't know. It's a, it's a very, very gray area. Me personally, if I was a woman, there's no way in hell I would have an abortion. Um, now I, it just that's just not me. Uh, I think that having a child is making a choice, and that child did not ask to be here. Um, you through your, or I should say, me through my actions would have gotten myself pregnant ninety uh, percent of the time. Now, obviously, when in dire situations like what you're talking about, I completely agree with you. But uh, no, I do not think that uh, abortion is okay, or that people should use it as a form of birth control. And I do agree that it is taking a life. How many biological children do you have, Ian? I have two. Two. And then I have one stepdaughter. She's, they're all awesome. And you play a pretty big role in all three of their lives? Yep. Uh, I'd like to think that I uh, play one of the biggest roles in their life, hopefully. Um, I'm in the same boat. I have two and a stepdaughter also. Heck yeah. And it sounds corny. I know this sounds like we're tooting our own horns, but uh, I mean it seems like a pretty important fucking job. Like one day I'll die Mm -hmm. and I'd like people at my funeral to at least be able to say I was a good dad. Like if you're not, yeah, if you're not going to stand for that, like I don't get it. I have no idea how to begin to relate to people who do not take the, the role of being a good parent as a, a, you know, probably the most important thing you'll ever do in your entire fucking life. I don't get it. Um, it's funny. I, I'm going to share something with you. And, uh, um, I, uh, I just, uh, finished writing, um, my preface intro and chapter one to a book. Um, and it's about parenting. Um, and I've done a lot of research on that. And the, the thing that I think we, we take out of content or like understanding is cultural you know, if you go back to like, say our grandparents, um, they were, the men were usually, uh, and I would say even, even my parents' generation from like my grandparents to my parents' generation, the men were great, great workers, good providers, rough around the edges, terrible emotional support animals. Um, you know, I, I, uh, the, my dad is, he's, he's my step, my biological stepdad, um, and uh, I love him to death. He's he's my hero. I've been a, he's been a part of my life since I was 12 years old. He's done many, many amazing things for me. He has never treated me like anything but his biological son. But I will tell you this. He, in the entire 21 year, no, how long? Yeah, 22, 20, 21 years almost that uh, he's been a part of my life. He's told me he loved me four times. Um, that's just the nature of that culture. And then the mothers were you know, typically stay at home for that generation, rear children. Well, as inflation and life expenses got bigger and more difficult, that took both parents out of the home. Dad had to start trying to learn how to be a caregiver when mom wasn't there. And mom had to learn to harden up essentially to be able to do mom job and job job at the same time. And my hat is absolutely off to you moms out there because uh, I honestly think you guys have it rougher than, than us dads. 
Um, <clears throat> but culture moves, and now people have grown to a point to where, like, they they were provided a lot as when they were young. Like, you know, when I was growing up, I can't tell you how many kids have brand new cars in high school. Parents, if you're listening to this, let me explain something to you. There's nothing a 16-year-old can do under any fucking circumstance to earn a $30,000 car. It doesn't fucking exist. And we grew under this society that completely celebrates everything. And it's insane. Little Johnny graduated third grade. Yay. As though doing that was anything but the bare minimum expectation for the even remote potential of having a reasonably successful life. You know, our grades in the United States keep going up, but our global rankings keep going down. Like, Things aren't adding up and they're not adding up because we have such an entitled culture. These kids actually think they did something to earn this vehicle. Uh, does that make sense? Like I'm trying to tie, tie this stuff in together. Sure, uh, it now does. Got these kids, they grow up, they turn 18 years old and all of a sudden mom and dad aren't there to solve their problem anymore. If their papers late being turned into their professor, if they show up late to work too many times, then the, the world hits them and they're like, Oh my God, what, what do you mean? I'm not this great, awesome person. I've been told I was my entire life. I did everything like I was supposed to do, not realizing it was exactly what they were supposed to do to have any potential at a successful life. And then when the real world holds them accountable, they don't know what to fucking do. Why do you think they want to have abortions? They're scared shitless. They have grown up with no understanding whatsoever of responsibility, accountability, learning how to respect authority figures, even showing up on time. I mean, I literally had a dude that showed up to a job interview about six years ago with ears gauged out so bad I could have put fucking cigars through them. And an, it ain't gay if it's TSA T-shirt on. I'm like, and this is what our workforce wait, looks wait, like. Wait, wait, wait. It said it ain't gay if it's TSA. So he, wait, 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 what type of job was he applying for? A job at my school as a as a kids coach. So TSA is the people at the airport, and they can pat you down and even grab like your your dick area and stuff like that. Yeah, it had like little stick figures on it doing that. <laughs> that is the culture we're growing up in, and then when they're held accountable, they freak out because they don't know they don't understand why they're not this amazing person. They were always told from the time they were little to the time they got big that they were, what do you mean? My seventh place medal doesn't matter anymore. It's, it's shot. It's, it's a, it's a mind blowing experience for these kids. And then we sit here and scratch our heads. Like why is every 18, 19, 20 year old on Prozac and Seroquel and Zoloft? And, and I'm like, because they're depressed. They have no understanding of what it means to roll up their sleeves and work hard to, to take on challenges of life. Like when I was a kid, I'd disappear all day out into the woods. My mom had no idea where I was at. I knew damn well I better be home by nighttime. Most of these kids these days, if they tried to take off on their own, they would get hurt or do something stupid. Or we'd see it on Facebook as they're breaking in somewhere, acting a fool, because they're like, what do you mean I can get in trouble for this? It's, it's, it's just mind-blowing, bro. <laughs> Okay, um, so back to the bill that we will be voting for on Tuesday. You, do you plan on voting? Yes, I have to. I'm running. I mean, I, I, I vote anyway, but I'm also running for school board for my district down here. Mm. 
running for school board. Tell me about that. What what prompted that? 2020. <laughs> uh, no, uh, actually, really, it was the 2021-2022 school year. Um, the first week of July 2021, before school went back, we went back uh, about a week and a half into the month of August. Uh, the school board sent out a survey asking parents uh, how they felt about mandates. And like the, the end, end question was basically uh, something along the line. I can't remember verbatim off the top of my head, uh, but it was something along the lines of, do you want your kids to start back to school under mandates? And 89% of parents voted no, essentially across the board for mandates being enforced on their children. Well, at the ninth hour, the day before school starts, the Tuesday before school starts back on a Wednesday, they decide to implement the the mandates on the kids all over again. Yeah, I know. Um, I... Uh, along with many, many other parents in our community through a fit. Like I went to the school board meeting. I about got kicked out for saying some stuff that, you know, was just true as I, I quoted the, the, not deputy director, um, the Lieutenant, I can't remember exactly what the lady's title was, but anyway, she's one of the members for the Kentucky board of education uh, or, and uh, they had uh, a Skype zoom meeting uh, a few days before school started back down or no, it was a few days after, excuse me, the school started back down here and the woman was quoted saying, and I, I listened to the whole thing. I don't understand what the issue is. If you want your kids to go to school, just get the vaccine. If you want your kids to play sports, just get the vaccine. I don't see what the issue is. And well, I mean, we're not going to get into react 19 and all the insanity as far as vaccine injuries and stuff that has happened since then. But the, the premise was pretty obvious that at some point they were going to try to force this vaccination on our children. So my response to the school board when they were basically just saying there's nothing they could do, that they, they needed their funding and all this other stuff. Uh, I was like, so let me ask you guys something. I was like, you know, because uh, I'm, I'm a little militant. You know that. <laughs> um, I was like, let me ask you guys something. I was like, do you think if we force all the parents in our community to make their children get this vaccine and subsequent booster shots, because it's, it's not a vaccine, it's an inoculation, just like the flu shot. Um, but anyway, um, and, I, and I asked him, I was like, and let's say some kids get hurt or get blood clots or have, you know, myocardial infarction or something, one of the many, 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 many things that have been attributed as far as vaccine injuries to this particular inoculation. I was like, do you think those parents are going to go to Andy Bashir's office and yell at him? I was like, or go to the Capitol steps in Frankfurt and freak out there? I was like, no, you guys are making this decision for our parents. Whose front lawn do you think they're going to be in if you hurt somebody's kid? I know what I would do. I'm just going to leave it at that. Like uh, nobody's hurting my kids. Nobody's taking my parental rights away. And then uh, our newspaper up here uh, uh, had an article talking about the funding and how much additional funding our school was getting as our school district was getting as a result of following the state mandates. And it was somewhere in the neighborhood of $6.2 million. So when I realized that the elected officials on our school board sold our parental rights for money that has not even been spent on our children. We got like a new track and it was totally freaking fine. We got a leveled football field and it was totally, there was nothing wrong with either of those. They were in great shape. Um, I ran on them and trained on them regularly in the summertime. Uh, it, it was just, it was a complete farce. And I was like, okay, so not only did you sell us out, but you refused to represent the people who put you in office. 
that means you need to go. And somebody like me, who even if I don't agree with it, I do believe in democracy. I do believe in a democratic republic. If 89% of parents stood against me, I would be like, okay, you guys win. I need to accept that. That's an interesting, I know this episode's going into different directions. Ian, are you okay on time? Oh yeah, I'm good, brother. All right, so you just said 89% votes that your kids have to get a vaccine, then you'd be like, okay, I'll go with it. Is that what you said? I truly believe in a democratic republic. I think that the majority rules. And I think that we have gotten so far away from that as a culture, it's, it's greatly affecting our nation as a whole. Now, we've got every squeaky wheel out here with population points between 1% and 6% trying to govern 338 million Americans. And I think that's insane. I think there are way more people like me and you than there are squeaky wheels. I think that mainstream media has done a phenomenal job at putting up as many smoke screens as possible to make men like me and you and women like us and families like ours feel alone so that we back down. Uh, that'll be over my dead fucking body. Okay, so my problem with that, and this is, I love the episode. Um, my problem with that is, I've seen some polls were like, you know, Bernie Sanders, for example, had way more support within the Democratic Party, what was it, for 2016 mm -hmm. than Hillary Clinton did, okay? So imagine a world where De Bernie Sanders is so popular mm -hmm. to the tune of democracy, which it sounds like you're supporting, that he then becomes our president and we start drifting toward a socialist country. The majority wants it. You would be in support of that. Do you really believe that the majority wants it? Or do you believe that, do you still, I, I'll put it to you like this. Do you still believe in elections? I, I you know, maybe not is what I'm saying. Because there, there are, I mean, look at Brazil right now. Do you see what happened with Brazil? They just elected this guy who was Fidel Castro, one of Fidel Castro's best friends. He just got elected, democratically elected in Brazil. It happened in Chile recently. Of course, we know what happened in Venezuela, um, uh, all over the world. So I think people like free shit. And so I don't know. I, I would like to think more people reflect the traditional accountability type values that you and your family have and that I, I would like to think my family has. But I don't know. And, and at its core... I don't know that I'm willing to say that if the majority wants my family to have to do something that is against our principles, that I'm going to say, oh, well, majority, majority wants it. So there you go. Well, OK, but I mean, with that being said, like if that was the case and I didn't want to do it, I would just pull my kids out of the public school system and put them in private school. And fortunately, because of my values, I've been successful enough to be able to do something like that. The people who like free shit. They couldn't do that if their life depended on it. Okay, fair. And I'm in the process of trending toward that with my family. But um, okay, fair. Uh, what if we took it to a an extre more extreme version? Uh, Bernie Sanders is the president. AOC is the vice president. This is the United States in 2028. Okay. They, yeah. Dance. Okay. I will always stand on the side of freedom within the confines of morality. Is that fair? I think, yeah, it sounds fair. 
So Bernie Sanders is the president or some other, let's say Ihan Omar somehow is the president and AOC is, or Cori Bush, you know, the squad somehow <laughs> takes over the country. And you would stand on the side of morality within the confines of freedom. Of freedom. So how would you do that if, if that turned into Elizabeth Warren is in the, the speaker of the, you know, she's everybody, it t- takes a real progressive turn in this country. How would you do that? No, uh, I'm like I said, I'm going to stand on the side of freedom. I'm not, I will never, ever, I don't care what side of the aisle somebody's on, what political affiliation they have, where they stand at. Um, if you try to take, or I shouldn't say you, but if, if our government tried to take my rights, just like in 2020, like I closed down for about two weeks. And after that, I opened back up and I was publicly open. I was posting videos. I didn't give a shit. And it was amazing. Strength and courage is contagious. Guess who the first people to come back to training were? Our cops. They could have gave a crap less about me being open. I, I'm, I'm, I very, very, very much believe that if there was a sudden shift in paradigm that took away the and I, I say this exactly as I mean to say it because it's probably going to piss a lot of left wing people off. That's okay. Yeah, the, uh, if uh, if the the paradigm shifted to take away rights from the strong people of our country, people like us, you know, a lot. I would venture to say the vast majority of your ex-military, your combat sports athletes, your there's no other way to say it. Your strong-willed, strong-minded people, they are all on the same side. If that if our government took a drastic shift into taking away our freedoms as we know it, and it wasn't a slow fade, because that would have to be done over the course of decades. Have you ever, uh, not to change subject, have you ever heard of uh, Yuri Bezmenov? No. I'll send you some uh, some links of his afterwards. He's a KGB defector from the Russia that came here, and uh, it'll freak you out. But, uh, yeah, I, I very much think that uh, people, our people would rise up and that that wouldn't happen. Interesting. I'm looking at his Wikipedia now. So you're saying it, and I like it to a degree. You're saying the will of the American people. We have a unique situation here. We have a lot of people who have a lot of weapons Mm -hmm. and they're not going to, they're not going to sit back and allow something like that to happen is what I just heard from you. Is that accurate, Ian? Oh, absolutely. Especially if it was, if it was like an overnight thing, like, you know how Australia did uh, uh, a mandatory gun take back or whatever. Mm-hmm. There would be there would be civil war in five minutes. Okay, that's comforting. And I don't disagree. I, I, have you seen the stats about how many weapons are owned by the f- general population in the United States versus the rest of the world? It's like there's more, way more guns in the United States per person than there are in the rest of the world, like combined. It's some crazy statistic. That is awesome. (laughs) And that's what it is for, is to protect the people, the individual, against the uh, potential tyrannical government. I completely agree with that. uh, uh, I saw a funny Facebook meme not too long ago. It was like, the Second Amendment wasn't written for deer. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. So, um, do you care? I'll say this. I'm, I'm voting on, on Tuesday, November 8th. I will 
100%. I'm wearing a Rand Paul t-shirt right now. I look forward to voting for Rand Paul over Charles Booker. Even if I showed up and that's the only thing I did, I would be there. I think Rand Paul's the best senator we have in this country, and I am very feel very fortunate he's in Kentucky, so I get to vote for him. Outside of that, uh, you know, there's not really like some real good libertarian options on the ticket, so I'll probably vote for Bill DeRoof, uh, who's the, the mayoral candidate in Louisville against the, the Democrat. I'm not, not real positive or optimistic about the Democrats continuing to, to run the city I live in. Of course, Louisville, very left-leaning. I'll be voting for the Republican. Outside of that, I don't even know uh, if I'm going to vote more than those two uh, um, specific races. Um, do you care to say what you're looking forward to doing when you vote on Tuesday? Uh, we'll be voting for Rand Paul as well. Um, he was one of the most outspoken senators during the whole fake Corona nonsense um, in, in regards to people being free. And, uh, and another thing that I really respected about him, he was the only person. And I mean, like, I can't think of a single other politician who was talking about health and wellness. He's like, you know, all we're talking about is shoving vaccines and drugs down people's throat. But nobody is talking about getting your fat ass off the couch and getting on the fucking treadmill. Like, this goes, this kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about earlier. People don't want to be accountable. They want to live however they want to, do whatever they want to, say whatever they want to, act however they want to, and have no repercussions for those that lifestyle. And I'm like, that doesn't exist in the real world. If you eat yourself into morbid obesity, I'm sorry, but that's on you. <laughs> uh, um, sorry. Uh, that's uh, okay. Kind of there. Um, and then honestly, as far as the, the rest of the candidates are concerned, which I, I mean, most of them here locally, uh, there's a handful that uh, I'm, I'm going to vote for that are, well, actually, we already did our, our sheriff's race because they uh, they didn't have any, uh, they, they did that in the, the primary. Um, but as far as our local uh, candidates are concerned, at least in my district, I would like to vote the majority of them out. Um, uh, I think that I, I really truly stand by the drain the swamp mentality. Like, all right, if you've been in here and you haven't gotten the job done and you haven't stood by the people who put you in office or done anything to help them out, you're gone. You need gone. Um, that's just my personality though. Even Republicans. Absolutely. There was plenty of, there, there was an opportunity during uh, Trump's presidency to get a lot of things done. And a lot of the it, it's it's almost like it cracks me up because we'll go through these periods where we have like uh, a Republican presidential administration and a right wing house and everything they said they were going to do never gets done. And then we'll have the exact same thing on the left. That's why I'm like, these are just two two wings of the same bird. They want to throw up as many smoke screens that like can mess with people's political ideologies or, or ways of living so that we constantly fight each other and argue with each other and pick at one another. And, well, my way of living is your better, better than your way of living, so fuck you, right? And uh, all that does is take away, in my opinion, from the crooks in D.C., which is all of them. I mean, just about all of them. If they weren't corrupt when they got in there. They probably damn sure are now. So you are running for city council. When is that? School board. I'm, I'm, so, I'm school sorry, board. not city council, school board. When are you running for school board? That's next Tuesday as well here locally, District 4. So your name will be on the, the ballot? Yes, sir. Any idea as to if you'll win? 
Honestly, I don't know. Um, I unfortunately like the way the districts line up, like literally the next district is across the street from my house. I am at like the very edge of my district and I don't know a whole lot of people in uh, that particular area of my community. It's a, it's a smaller area, kind of, kind of out in the woods. Uh, there's not a lot of subdivisions or like, you know, it's not like I could have went uh, easily walking like door to door, handing out pamphlets. Cause it's uh, it's uh, more woods. Um, but I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I've, I've got, uh, I've had a very, very large following with our parents for freedom group. Um, we've got 3000 parents uh, in, in that group here locally. Um, so I've been posting everything on there. They've been very, very courteous and helping me share. Uh, thanks, Brian Lewandowski. If you ever listen to this, I really appreciate all your help. And, uh, so who knows, man, it, it might, it, I, I might pull it off and again, I might not, but the, the reality is, is even if I win all the rest of the members, if I'm not mistaken, are running unopposed. So it'll be me versus everybody else from my district. So no matter how much I jump the screen and I'm like, ah, I don't agree with this. I'm probably still going to get outvoted anyway. So what, what are your potential future plans for politics? I mean, the school board can be a uh, starting point for someone with a future in, in, in politics. I mean, you look at someone's, I'm always intrigued with like, how did so-and-so get involved with being a United States Senator? And you've got to start somewhere. Very few people you know, graduated college and immediately started running for office. Do you have aspirations beyond the school board? No, I just wanted to be there for a little while to, you know, protect, you know, my children are still in school. My son's in fourth grade, um, our, my middle daughter's in uh, 10th grade, and then I have Alexi's a junior. So it's kind of like, while they're still in school, I want to, as much as possible, be a barrier between, the stupidity of our government and our kids. Okay. Um, if that makes sense. I don't really have a lot of political aspirations. I think uh, I don't like most politicians and I'm, I'm not uh, a politician by, by any means. I think that the best way for me to continue influencing my community at least is through my school, through martial arts, through creating that community we talked about earlier in this episode. Okay, and just to summarize your stance on the uh, main topic of the episode today, once again, it's the abortion bill that we all get to vote on on Tuesday. Sounds like you lean a little bit more pro pro-choice. Is that an accurate assessment? Yes. Uh, if I'm going to finish reading the bill, like I said, it's very long. Um, if they don't have the the language built into no. Um, or uh, pro-life, if they don't have the language built into pro-life to at least protect the extenuating circumstances we had talked about, then, I, you know, I can't take that right away from them. You know, as much as we sit here and we're like, well, rights this, whose rights more important, you know, morality this, morality that, uh, you know, and, and all of that is good and well, but I don't feel like I should have the right to take away the decision-making process from other people. Just like I don't have the right to tell people, hey, tobacco is no longer allowed in the United States because we know it's going to kill you. It's going to shorten your life. It causes cancer. And once you're you know, in destitute after 30 years of using tobacco, uh, the government's having to essentially pay for all of your, because let me tell you what, I, I, I pay pretty good insurance with premium. There ain't nothing. There, thirty years of paying insurance wouldn't cover one round of chemotherapy. Like that's just the way it is. So, like, I, I, I don't, you know, we don't take those choices away from people, and 
they kill themselves and others all the time. Okay. And another takeaway from today's episode is, of course, I need to check out Yuri Bezmanov. I think now that I'm looking at his Wikipedia, I think I have heard of him a little bit, but I'm sure my wife and I will find some special to watch on him. You have any specific re- recommendations related to Yuri? Uh, no. Well, yeah. If you, if you have, if your listeners have time, there's a, uh, and I'll send you the link. Actually, uh, there's about uh, there's one clip that's about 35 minutes long, and it goes through the the process of like uh, how he's talking about how um, what's the word communism integrated itself into the United States and how the cultural shifts and like everything that uh, was planned for decades and decades on end to be a slow fade for, for our country. Um, and it's, it's really quite mind blowing, but the, the most mind blowing part is one of the later phases before what they call destruction of the West um, is uh, making people admit like to things that they know are false. Mm. So psychological ideology of making another person admit something that they know is a lie is one of the most detrimental things you can do to another person. And we're at that phase. Um, I mean, I'm never going to admit that a man can be a woman. It's just not going to happen. I don't, you know, I have friends that, you know, wear makeup and, and all that kind of stuff. And I'll tell them, like I tell you, that's not a conversation we need to have. I can appreciate you as a, as a human being and, and love you as a friend without you, me and you needing to pick that apart because you know my stance. I know where you're at. Um, and I think a common misconception for most people is that if you don't agree with everything I do right now, then we can't be friends or you must hate me. And that's not true. I've got friends that are alcoholics. I don't hate them. I don't agree with what they do. I think it's terrible for them, but I don't hate them, but unfortunately, that's what opposition likes to scream. Okay, great stuff. Ian Lawler, I appreciate you joining me. I love how we go off into random directions, <laughs> you know, all very fascinating. Of course, my wife, Yanni, and I, she being from Cuba, we're always watching stuff related to, you know, communism and all that fun stuff, very political, I guess, politically, like, heavy stuff, so that you're, mm. you're, you're preaching to the choir with... Uh, that type of a conversation. I like the political stuff. Some may say it's a little too polarizing or, you know, whatever, but I, I, I love this shit for whatever reason. So I really appreciate you coming on, Ian. Before we wrap up the episode, do you have any anything you'd like to mention, maybe about your social media, about your gym, uh, your upcoming race on Tuesday, anything you'd like to mention, Ian Lawler? Uh, yeah, just thank everybody for listening. Um, it's been, as always, Kelly, thank you very much for having me on here. It's much, much appreciated. Uh, this is the second time I've been on your show and man, I've truly enjoyed both, both opportunities. Uh, my advice to anybody listening is go vote and make sure for the love of God, you actually do some research. Nobody, you remember Kelly, there was a point in time where we used to say that uh, the lack of information was why people were stupid, right? And that's not the case anymore. 90 something percent of the United States has the entire World Wide Web literally at their fingertips on their phone. Look up your politician, see what they stand for before you go and cast a vote. Don't just be the typical, and I'm talking trash about Appalachian America over here in Southeast KY, but don't be the typical, well, my daddy was a liberal, my mama was a Republican, that's that's what I am. Use your own brain. Think for yourself and be informed. Thanks, guys. I appreciate y'all.
Thank you very much, Ian. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Kelly Patrick Show. Of course, we will have another episode out soon. Thank you.